Good morning. Our uh, scripture reading today is from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, uh, verses 1 and 2. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to sacrifice offered by fools, for they do not know how to keep from doing evil. Never be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be quick to utter a word from before God, for God is in heaven and you upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, we begin a new sermon series today, Faith, called Ancient Glimpses. And as we begin this series that's going to take us through the, the rest of February, I want us to hold a question in our mind. It's one, perhaps, if you're not here at this point in your faith journey right now, maybe you have been at some point in the past where you have asked yourself this question, is this it? Like, is this all there is to a life of faith, to, to following Jesus? Surely, surely there must be more. So that's the question that we're going to hold uh, sort of in one hand. And the sermon series is going to be a look back into some of the ancient masters of our faith and what they had to say around that particular question. But here at Faith, what we say each and every week, our highest aim is Christ centered service. In fact, that's our mission. We invite people to Christ-centered service. What we don't acknowledge often enough is that our aim is service because that's where we've most often seen lives transformed for Jesus Christ. In this particular congregation, that ability to serve in the name of Jesus Christ has often led people among us to a transformed life. And so what I would say to us this morning, friends, is Service is not an end in itself. Service is a means to an end. The question we're after during this particular sermon series is, okay, well then what is that end? And I'm going to name it for you in just a moment, but you'll have to hang with me here for, for a little bit. But we're looking at what is that end, what is that goal that we have in living a life of faith and following after Jesus Christ. We believe that Christ-centered service is one of the ways that we get there. And here at this congregation, it's probably the best way that we get there, but it is not the end in itself. So just for a short bit of review, last month during January, we were in a sermon series we called Insomnia. Pastor Heather and I were noticing that sometimes we struggle in our culture uh, to find the proper amounts of rest. And so we acknowledged uh, the need that all of us have for Sabbath time and for legitimate and good rest, that that is how God has created us. And we also realized that doesn't come easy. It's one thing to say that we need that. It's another thing to live a life as if that's important. Part of it is because it's really difficult to slow our pace so that we can pay attention to the holy within and around us. And that is still a question that I know many of you have. So how do I do that exactly? And, and that's what we're going to be looking at as we uh, look at the lives of the ancient masters. How is it that we do that? Because... They have figured a few things out. So during the next four weeks, we're going to sit at the feet of, of these masters and listen and observe and learn what they have to teach us. This morning, we begin with a master who has an interesting name. His name is Kohelet. Isn't that a fascinating name? That's the name of the person who's most often attributed to be the author of Ecclesiastes. 
Kohelet. And so you wonder what you learned at church today? You learned Kohelet is the possible author for Ecclesiastes. The truth be told, we don't know who wrote it. Um, there is a long tradition within the life of the church that Solomon was at least an influencer in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a part of the Hebrew Bible called the, the wisdom literature. So there are three parts to the Hebrew Bible. And if you are a Jew, you would know that they actually follow one right after the other. The first is known as the Torah or the law. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the first five books. And then you have the prophets, those who speak on behalf of God. The major prophets being the ones that have longer books and the minor prophets being those that have shorter books. Um, and so we hear from them. And then you have this third section, which is known as the writings. I call it miscellaneous. Do you have a miscellaneous drawer in your house somewhere? It's like, I don't know what else could go there, but that's where it goes, right? So the writings are kind of that way, and one of the genres in the writings is called wisdom literature, and Ecclesiastes fits squarely in this kind of wisdom literature. Uh, Proverbs also fit squarely in the wisdom literature. So here the caution that Kohelet gives in today's reading from Ecclesiastes. He says, to draw near to listen is better than the sacrifice offered by fools. For they do not know how to keep from doing evil. Kohelet in the book of Ecclesiastes is lifting up the importance of listening. Now if you were a Jew and you were reading Kohelet's words, that would have sounded a lot to you like Samuel, one of the prophets, his instructions to King Saul, the first king of Israel. What, he, what Samuel says to King Saul in 1 Samuel 15.22 has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Question mark. Surely to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Now, a hearer, a Jewish hearer, would have remembered that Saul uh, was known for being impatient. And he had been told through the prophet Samuel that he was to wait on God's word of when he was to take one of their enemies. And he waited and waited till he thought, surely it's time. And he just took matters into his own hands and it didn't work out so well for him. So you can read that uh, story in 1 Samuel 15. But it, the importance that was drawn by Samuel uh, was that he was supposed to listen until God told him to do something different. Not just listen until he was tired of listening, but to listen until God told him to do something different. And so Samuel comes along with that question, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience? In other words, it's not about your actions, friends. It's about your listening and then being obedient to the voice of the Lord. So by the time Ecclesiastes came along and Kohelet writes these words, his advice has the piercing quality of truth. Perhaps you, you know that feeling of, I've kind of been through this and I go, oh yeah, oh that's right, that's right. So we hear Ecclesiastes today in that particular context that, that there's a piercing quality of truth about this. Friends, the attention that we give to listening in our prayers keeps us from making fools of ourselves. Maybe I should say that again so that I hear it, right? 
The attention that we give to listening in our prayers keeps us from making fools of ourselves. That's what Kohelet is helping us to understand. You know this. It also draws us into deeper relationship with God. It's essential to what John Wesley called sanctification. Okay? So, the end goal of our faith, remember we started out with that? Surely there's something more? Yes, there is. It's called sanctification. It's a big churchy word, so I'm going to talk with you a little bit today and over the remaining weeks of what do we mean by that. But that is the end goal of our faith. John Wesley believed that God's grace could not only draw us into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but that was the beginning, friends, not the end. And that that same grace is going to continue to, and this is how he would say it, perfect us in love. That's the end goal. He really believed that we could reach what he called Christian perfection. Now, that's different than the definition of perfection that we normally hold, which means without flaw. Christian perfection is when we finally become the person that God has fully made us to be. When we live into the way we were created, we have reached Christian perfection. And John Wesley would say, you reach it in glimpses. Not all at once, right? You kind of have a moment where you go, oh, yeah, that's it. And unfortunately, it fades. Okay, but it's possible. It's possible that we actually could become the person God knows we can be. And that is our moment of being sanctified. And it continues throughout our life as long as we live. So, yes, there is more to a life of faith and following Jesus Christ than that one moment in which you accept Christ and then experience the thrill of being accepted by God in return. And that is a thrilling moment. Whenever that happens for you, it's beautiful. It's called justification, where you are made right with God, where you have an internal assurance that, yes, yes, Jesus Christ died for me. And that means that I, I have the possibility of being in relationship with God. That is a beautiful moment, but it is not the end. It is only the beginning. And living a life of prayer is how we recognize those promises that God has give us, given us, the promise of sanctification particularly. So today we're going to sit at the feet of a master of deep listening prayer. Someone who knew how to do this very, very well. His name is St. Ignatius of Loyola. I love this picture of him. Uh, when you search it online, you'll probably be able to find lots of other images. But this one seemed to work well on the screen because the red and the yellow sort of, you know, they really pop out there. Um, so this is St. Ignatius of Loyola. He was a young soldier in Spain and injured by a cannonball, which ricocheted off a wall, shattering his right leg very early in his life. So he had months of recovery and follow-up surgeries. And during that period of time, through the devotional material that was being distributed to the patients, he discovered a relationship with Jesus Christ. It was not something that was a part of his life up to that point in time. And he converted to Christ. His conversion inspired him to reject the indulgences of his past. And he was quite indulgent as he tells the stories but he decided that he would begin to spend time in deep contemplation and prayer. So much so that as he recovered, he even lived in a cave for a while. So that he could have that experience of deep communion with God and a period of, of deep listening. 
He then uh, pursued an academic theological degree. And after that, St. Ignatius had an experience of of self-transcendence, of going outside of himself. And he attributed that to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit had gifted him with that experience so that he could know the assurance of Christ in his life and so that he could have a life-giving relationship with God and Christ. And he believed that that relationship with Jesus Christ rooted him in the believing community. Friends, Christianity has never existed as a solo enterprise. It has always been about living our faith together in community. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ on your own, yes. But you cannot be a Christian on your own. That is something that requires community. And so St. Ignatius of Loyola really... uh, he, he latched on to this idea of community. He founded what was known as the Society of Jesus in 1540, 500 plus years ago. You may know them as the Jesuits. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. His most popular writing, and still today it's public, uh, being published, it's known as the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. In these exercises, he offers a practice that many have found to increase their awareness of God's presence in their life. It's a a daily practice. You might also call it a practice of deep listening. It is a type of listening prayer, and it is known as the examen. There are many formats for this, so I'm going to take the one that comes actually right out of the exercises from St. Ignatius. And I'll be quoting how he would instruct in 1540, how he would have instructed a follower uh, to pray this prayer. There are five steps to it, and it's printed for you on the sermon notes uh, today. The first step is giving thanks. Giving thanks to God for all the favors that have been received. Just taking a moment to notice, right, how God has provided for you. The second step, I named it as illumination, but this is what he says. Asking the help of the Spirit to enlighten so that I may see the light of God's grace. His assumption was that without the help of the Spirit, I will miss it. And so asking the Spirit to illumine me is is that second part of the prayer. The third part of the prayer probably takes a little bit longer. I named for you one question, but this is how he states it. Going back over the events of the day to see where God has been present in my life and where I have kept God out, okay? Where has God been present in my life, and where have I kept God out? And to actually note those parts of your day. He goes on to say, I must examine the places where I have fallen short of God's bests, God's best, whether in thoughts, words, or deeds. And I love that categorization. Thoughts, words or deeds because most of the time we just want to focus on deeds did I do anything and he says no it could have been what you said it could have even been what you thought so you really have to go back over your day and take inventory where have I fallen short of God's best whether in thoughts words or deeds and then he says giving heed to the things I have done and the things I have left undone In the tradition of the church, friends, we have what's called sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission are where you have an internal motivation to do something that you know takes you further away from God, so you do it. But sins of omission are when you don't do something 
that God has asked you to do. And both of those allow us to stray from God in ways that are not helpful. And so that's what Ignatius is helping us to understand. He says, I need to give attention to the things I have done and the things I have left undone. So this is a process of examination. If possible, he says, I must give attention to the tendencies or the roots of my shortfalls. In other words, not what did I do, but what made me do it. So that's uh, section number three. Section number four, then, is what we would call confession. He says, expressing my sorrow and asking God's forgiving love to heal and strengthen me. To say, I'm sorry, especially for those places where I have shut God out. Then the fifth part of the prayer, we would name it as repentance. This is how he says it. Praying for the grace to be more totally available to God who loves me so totally. You, you might remember that the definition of repentance is we recognize in confession where we have fallen short, but at some point we have to make a different decision, turn around to go back towards where God would call us. And so the last part of the prayer is to, to acknowledge, you know what, God loves me so totally. No matter what I have named in section number three and section number four, God loves me so totally. And out of that love, then I am empowered to do something differently tomorrow. The examen is typically prayed at the end of the day. So it is a way for us to empty our minds, our souls, to be honest with God right before we fall asleep. You're going to find many forms for the examen. Uh, and uh, Ignatius was just the first one to put it in the spiritual exercises, but some of you might remember this book. Four years ago in the January sermon series, we gave these out 30 days with Wesley. It has a morning, an order for morning and evening prayer each day for 30 days. And the evening prayer order follows a form of the examen. You can get online and Google it. You'll find, you know, here's a format for the examen. I recently have found a podcast that is updated daily, and I like that because I can just listen to someone, Father James Martin, who is a Jesuit priest. He narrates the examen for me. So I can listen to it. I don't have to read it. It's been very helpful for me. On the sermon notes, I gave you the uh, website where you can go and, and look at it, but if you get podcasts anywhere and you just search the examen, you'll, you'll find it. So I just want you to know that this is an ancient form of prayer, but it's something that people even still use today, and there are many ways to access it. You can just simply have those five steps, the ones that are on the sermon notes, uh, to pray it. But I want to remind us, friends, that the end goal that we're seeking, this sanctification, it is the gift of God's grace. It doesn't come on our own. It comes because God chooses to give it to us. And that is what makes us perfect in love. Not that we're doing anything to be better, but that God is using us through his grace to be better. So this is another way that I sometimes will think of sanctification. It is an internal transformation that has external evidence. It's not about what we do. It's not about our actions. It's about what happens inside in our soul as we grow in deeper relationship with God. However, if that's happening, there should be some evidence in your life, right? You should experience a different way of living because sanctification is happening in your life. And so that's what we're paying attention to. Okay, well then, how, how do we 
get to that place where the internal transformation is more likely so that the external evidence becomes more likely as well. And that's what I hope we'll learn as we sit at the feet of these ancient masters in the next few weeks. We're going to talk about how a life of prayer paves the way to sanctification. Prayer is so much more than talking to God. When you visit with me and I will ask you, so tell me about your prayers. And you'll say, well, I, I just talk to God all day long. And that's wonderful. Is that a part of prayer? Absolutely. Yes. But did you know that God gave you two ears and one mouth? Okay. We forget, don't we, in our prayers that it's more than talking to God. It's about listening. Prayer is this developing of a deep awareness of God's actions and presence in your life and learning how to listen carefully for where God is leading you. So this week, here's my challenge. I want to challenge you. Could you practice the exam in daily? Okay, take a picture of the screen. I'll put it back up here for you. Or get the sermon notes or get online, get the podcast. I mean, do it however you want, but try it. I mean, literally, it could take you five minutes. At the end of the day, before you go to sleep, practice this daily and see. See if it doesn't allow you to develop a deeper awareness of where God has been moving and wants to move in your life. See if it doesn't deepen your practice of holy listening and holy awareness. So today, we're talking about a practice that we learn from the master, St. Ignatius of Loyola. And I'm going to encourage us to take up this practice of listening. Amen.